They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! Welcome to Feed vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where your host, Feed the Terrible Aussie Jemine, explores the remakes, re-edits, reimaginings, homages, and unofficial follow-ups to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead. This is the latest disclosure in a report from National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. A widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. This podcast contains coarse language, mature discussions, and plot spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. G'day everyone, this is B. Jemine, a.k.a. The Terrible Aussie, and welcome to episode 15 of Bean vs. the Living Dead, the podcast where I dissect every remake, re-edit, reimagining, homage, spoof, unofficial follow-up, and so much more to George A. Romero's classic 1968 horror film, Night of the Living Dead. Yep, here we are now, guys. We're all at episode 15. Now, this is an episode I'm very excited about because we're going to be talking about for this episode the film that pretty much inspired me to come up with this idea for the show in the first place. But before we get into why that is, I have two very special guests who are joining me for this episode. And one is a returning guest and one is a first-time guest. And first up, of course, is a guy who has appeared on previous episodes of this show and as well as a writer and contributor to the Super Network. And that, of course, is Marcus Wiltoner. Hello, Marcus, and welcome back, I believe, for the fourth time on Bead versus the Living Dead. Oh, wow. Has it been four times already? Okay. I, uh... Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Uh, previously we're on the very first episode of this show and as well as... Uh, where we talked about the riff tracks and colorized versions of Night of the Living Dead. And the last episode you were on was when we talked about the British remake, uh, Night of the Living Dead Resurrection. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I completely forgot about the riff tracks one, but the other two, definitely. But yeah, I, I'm. thank you so much for having me back on. I know you're probably tired of me because I keep coming back uh, over and over, but... No, <laughs> definitely it. not. Definitely yeah. not. I mean, Marcus, I enjoy it when you come on the show because you always give great insights to all the films that we talk about. So you're always welcome to come back anytime. And also, and I know our audience enjoys joys that you're on the show too. And plus, you know, I've already locked you down for a few other episodes in the future. So it's hard to, it's hard to get rid of you now to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm in there like swimwear. So, you know, you're just going to have to get used to me. So. I appreciate you uh, having me back, and I appreciate your listeners uh, listening to me once again. So thank you mm-hmm. to everyone out there. Indeed, indeed. But uh, we're also joined by another guest who is making his debut appearance on the show. And he is a guy who probably hosts a, just as many podcasts as I do, because I host about seven. And I believe <laughs> <laughs> our next guest also pretty much almost hosts that many shows as well. He is the co-host of many podcasts such as e-society the Mackinac podcast the action returns the wrestling returns and the occasional co-host of the horror returns 
And that, of course, is Kevin Nez. Hello, Nez, and welcome to Beat versus the Living Dead. Hey, thank you for having me. I once I first listened to your first episode. Well, before, when I before that episode came out, I was like, "All right, cool. This is gonna be awesome." So, fifteen, man. I'm I'm a couple behind, but I, I've been listening to it, and I really didn't realize how many times they remade this, reimagined uh, this one film that that I grew up loving since I, I was a little kid. But yeah, Night of the Animated Dead. It was, it's a movie. But yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to be a part of this one. Cause I watched it a few times before so I ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's the funny thing about this show, and one of the main reasons why I wanted to do it is that I don't think that many people knew that there was this many versions of Night of the Living Dead. And I give, given that this film is the public in the public domain. It kind of explains why that is, but it, it's been a fascinating journey so far with this show, kind of going through the many different versions of it that are out there, but also just like what I have coming up next, like where it kind of goes from here. So I'm very excited to well, what the show, future brings with this show, but I'm very excited about the film we're talking about tonight. But before we get to it now, Marcus, I've already asked you this question all the way back on the very first episode of the show. So it's only appropriate that since mm-hmm. uh, Nez is our first time guest on this show, that I have to ask you this question. And it's the question I ask every new guest who comes on Beat vs. the Living Dead. And that, of course, is Nez, do you remember the first time you saw the original 1968 version of Night of the Living Dead? I was really young. I would say it was um, mid 70s. I would say it was before Star Wars changed my life. But, uh, and that came out in 77. Um, Quick little story. Uh, we had this cool babysitter next door uh, in, a, in, this, in the next apartment over. And uh, my mom and dad were in a bowling league. So they once they go out Friday nights, and this is in their younger years, so they can party and rage all night. He goes, yeah, um, we're going to have popcorn. We're going to have this and that and play games and other. And then we're going to watch a movie. And I was like, okay. And he goes, does your mom let you guys watch uh, scary movies? And, and I was like, uh like what and he goes oh there's this movie coming on tonight that's uh really scary and uh i just don't want you to be scared i mean we can turn it off if you want so i was like okay whatever my older brother he was like yeah sure i mean i saw the frankensteins i saw the draculas but didn't really pay attention much to it so we were sitting there we had a bowl of popcorn uh my babysitter's name was mark and my, my brother jamie and myself i was sitting in between them because i was just like okay what are we watching uh on I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This was a Saturday night because on Saturday nights in uh, Oakland, California, where, where I grew up, there was a television show hosted by Bob Wilkins uh, Saturday nights. And it was called Creature Features. He showed all kinds of old school Universal monsters and whatever 70s monsters uh, films there was and Night of the Living Dead. And I was I didn't know what it was, had no idea what it was I expected for. This was actually the very first horror movie I ever seen. Uh, like this. I mean, I knew the Dracula, I knew the Frankenstein, but again, I didn't really sit there and watch them. I just seen pictures and I'd see a little bit on TV, but never sat down. This was the very first one that actually sat through the whole movie. Uh, I was scared. Uh, I did close my eyes at times, but I'd have to say I was like, if I wasn't five, maybe six years old, uh, maybe even a little before, but I know that I was old enough to understand what was happening uh, on the screen to remember sitting there watching it and just being blown away 
by Night of the Living Dead. And from then on, I wanted to see more horror films. I didn't see quite much like this, man. I didn't see uh, the Living Dead devouring people. Uh, we did, I didn't see much of that uh, much later until Dawn of the Dead came out when I was older. Uh, well, only a few years older because that one came out in like 78, 79. I can't remember when that one came out. But I just remember really being blown away by this. And what I remembered the most was the the catch line, they're coming to get you, Barbara, that very beginning. And for some reason, <laughs> it was always in my head that this movie was in color. Yeah, we got that dumb color version later, later on. It, it was I was just blown away by it. And I, I just loved it ever since then. I haven't seen every version of this film. Uh, 1990 remake, the Tom Savini one, amazing, amazing. I didn't know this one existed. Uh, I go on the Best Buy every now and then and pick up uh, a lot of movies, if you can see all the ones behind me. And I said, Night of the Animated Dead, what's this? I picked it up, I looked at it, I flipped it over, went to my phone, I watched a trailer, and I was like, okay, cool, this, look, this looks all right. And I just bought it. Didn't realize it was going to be pretty much the exact same thing. But Night of the Living Dead, the original version, George A. Romero film, I just... I love it. I don't know how many times I've seen it. Uh, I showed my kids. My grandson sat through a few minutes of it till they got bored. Um, I actually met George A. Romero at San Diego Comic-Con one year. And I just basically just kissed his butt and tell him that you you changed my life forever. Uh, and he was like, right on, man. Thank you. Thank you for loving my films. Dawn of the Dead being my favorite one out of, out of all his dead films. But I just I told him, like the story I told you, and when I first seen Night of the Living Dead, I told him. And uh, he was just, like, really, really cool. He didn't, like, yeah, yeah, whatever, kid, move on. And the thing that sucked about I mean, it was awesome to meet him, but I don't think anyone realized who he was. Because he was just sitting at his mm. table by himself, and everyone just walking by. No one. Oh, no, wow. I was like, really? I Because I kept turning around to see if there was other people that wanted to meet him, but no one was there. So we had this huge conversation on, on about Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And I was just, he was just really, really cool. I didn't get him to sign anything. I, I got a, um, I don't, sorry, the power almost went out. I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> it, the light flickered and everything. Um, but he was like really cool. I did get a, I did get a picture with him. So that was, I, I cherish that the most of remembering my conversation with him and having that picture of just a really, really awesome dude. And all the films that he gave us, were they all good? No, they weren't all good. But it was amazing. And I just, like, and I had to kiss his butt to to thank him for Night of the Living Dead, for introducing me to a different genre, genre of horror, not like the Universal Monsters. This was blood and guts and gore. And I just mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe it. And, yeah, that's that's the my story of watching it the very first time. Yeah, well, that's a great story, Nez. And two things that piqued me with your story is number one uh the disrespect from everyone at that convention for ignoring <laughs> george a romero first of all how dare all those people there but also number yeah, two that's... i believe this actually marks the first occasion where a guest of my show has actually met george a romero in real life so you're the first person that i believe has actually met him in real life yeah but meeting him was just i i I can't describe it other than I was just I was I know I was talking really fast because I was just didn't want to hold up his line. But again, there was nobody behind me that wanted to meet him. 
So, so we had this huge conversation and I, I cherish that, that memory and that moment of meeting him. And when, when I found out that, that he had passed, that I was just like, oh, that just destroyed me. It was like a part of, a part of me, a part of my childhood uh, went with him. And I'm sure as well as everyone else that's mm. had him that, that loved his films and grew up watching his films. I just I just couldn't believe it. And when I was shaking his hand, it was like I didn't I didn't want to let it go. I was just like, yeah, yeah, right on, man. And he kept saying, thank you. Thank you. And I just got the picture with him. And then he was like, hey, man, it was really nice meeting you. Hope we can meet again. And he gave me a hug. And I was like, oh, I just my heart was pounding. I walked away with that little tear in my eye. Just um, I, I just couldn't believe that I met a legend. I mean, people. Mm have their sports heroes and other movie stars but to me the um, the godfather of, of the living dead and in, in my eyes i just i just couldn't believe it yes there's been a billion different zombie films not all of them are good but to even his i mean i didn't really care for the last one i mean even diary of the mm. dead I hated that one uh i it took me a few watches to enjoy that one. Land of the Dead too. That one also took me a few watches, but Survival of the Dead. Uh, I mean, they all can't be winners. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. But um, yeah, I mean, I agree everything you say. I like. I would have loved to have met George myself, but as we all know, he's already he passed away a few years ago. But his spirit still does still live on in all of us as horror fans, and as well, his work is still going to continue for many years from now and particularly because with night of the living dead having came out 55 years ago it's a film that is still just as fantastic and as influential as it is when it first came out like i mean this is the film that pretty much created the modern zombie genre as we know it now we'll move right along to the topic at hand for this episode of the show and it's what i'm very excited to talk about because I'll explain why that is after what I talk about what film we're going to be discussing, which, of course, is another animated remake of Night of the Living Dead, the third one, in fact. And that, of course, is the 2021 film Night of the Animated Dead. This is the National Civil Defense Headquarters. There is an epidemic of mass murder with no apparent pattern or reason. The killers are eating the flesh of the people they kill. Remain in your home. Keep all doors and windows locked or boarded shut. That's all for now. Hey, don't look at it. I need you to get some wood. Well, don't shoot. How long have you guys been down there? That's the cellar. It's the safest place. All law enforcement agencies have been organized to destroy the marauding ghouls. Good lord. Stay safe out there. Some of us can go out and try to get to the truck. We've got to get down into the cellar. If you're coming, come on! They're coming. 
coming to get you, Barbara. Night of the Animated Dead. Look for it on digital and Blu-ray. Which was directed by Jason Axon, which of course is based on the original 1968 film Night of the Living Dead by George A. Romero and John A. Russo, and stars the voices of Josh Duhamel, Dulé Hill, Catherine Isabel, James Rodé Rodriguez, Katie Sackoff, Will Sasso, Jimmy Simpson, and Nancy Travis. And the plot summary for this version is, visiting their dad's grave in the countryside, two siblings are attacked by a zombie. Barbara escapes to a farmhouse. A man helps barricade the house as more zombies arrive outside. Now, before I go into your guys' thoughts on the film, I have to talk about this because it's very important. Um, <laughs> this, the thing, here's the interesting thing to me about Night of the Animated Dead. This was the film that inspired me to create this podcast. The reason why that is, because like up to about this point, like I already knew that there were, you know, a couple of other versions of Night of the Living Dead out there. Like, of course, the Tom Savini version from 1990 as well as the free remake from 2006, and even another animated version, which I have already covered on this show, Night of the Living Dead Darkest Dawn. Those were the ones I was already kind of aware of. But then what made me interested in this topic was because I was on a horror website one day. I believe it might have been bloodydisgusting.com. And randomly, as one of their news stories, it, it was announced that Warner Brothers we're going to release an animated remake of Night of the Living Dead called Night of the Animated Dead. I was kind of very caught off guard by this news because I think it just sort of came out of nowhere. Nobody knew that this film was being made and it was going to come out within a few months and like released uh, director video and uh, on VOD. So I was very curious about it, particularly when you see the DVD cover art. I thought, okay, like, Based on the cover art that they're showing, it looks like possibly the animation for this film is going to look really cool. And the director of this film, Jason Axon, had directed an, another horror-themed animated film prior, which is a film called To Your Last Death, which I still haven't seen yet, but I've heard good things about. And of course, like, they assembled a massive all-star cast to voice the characters in this film, like Dulé Hill, Catherine Isabel, Josh Dumel, and many others. So... I was very curious about that, and I saw the trailer, and I was like, uh, okay, and then I watched the film, but for some bizarre reason, though, because of this movie, it sent me down the rabbit hole on all things Night of the Living Dead, and I discovered through this film that there were so many other different versions of the film that I was not aware of, whether it be a reimagining or re-edit or a spoof or an unofficial follow-up. And it I went down the rabbit hole so far that I sort of realized to myself, you know what? I think there's a podcast in here. And because of that, I created this show and have been doing it ever since. So this was the movie that inspired me to create Bead vs. the Living Dead. And it's been quite a journey, like going through the other different versions of Night of the Living Dead up to this point. But yeah, this was the film that started it all, like my fascination with all things Night of the Living Dead. I mean, I was already a big fan of the original film anyway, but the 
the fact that there's so many different versions was something that made me even more fascinated. And it was something that I wanted to explore in podcast form. But that being said, though, despite this film being the inspiration for this show, what how is the movie itself? So I'm very curious what you guys think of it. So, uh, Marcus, what are your first initial thoughts on Night of the Animated Dead? Well, um, stuff, it's definitely, uh, I believe Ness said this before we started, it was definitely, you know, a movie. And um, it, uh, it, it works in a lot of ways, but it's also, it also kind of doesn't. I mean, it's, it's very much a, a mixed bag of, like, positives and negatives when it comes to you know, how it parallels to the, the the classic and also how it parallels to all the other, you know, different versions of Night Living Dead. So I have some some good things to say about it and, and some bad things to say about it. But mostly it was it was definitely one of the better renditions of this because a lot of it really did work despite a lot of it not working. So, um, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy watching it, you know, definitely to see like what changes were there and what may remain the same. And this execution definitely is thing of a, of a curiosity, you know, much like a lot of these uh, versions are. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But, yeah, I, uh, I definitely have some good, good and bad things to say about it. So and uh, Nez, I know that you bought the Blu-ray of this when you were in Best Buy, but. What did you think of the film after when you sat down to watch it? What were your initial thoughts on it? Uh, the the cover is misleading. I could tell you that because that's what sold it to me. Uh, I looked at the I'm looking at the, at the artwork right now and I'm like, oh, man, this looks awesome. But then when I flipped it over and I was like, this doesn't look like the artwork. And then that's when I, I pulled up the trailer and I was kind of like, hmm, all right. But again, I'm a huge fan of it. I haven't seen like I said, I haven't seen every version of night of the living dead uh, i didn't even know there was other animated ones i thought this was the only one so now i gotta go find uh, those but um watching the film it reminded me of that old uh i think it was early 80s maybe late 70s uh heavy metal movie if you guys have seen that oh yeah yeah the animation kind oh, of yeah yeah reminded me of that uh but you can clearly see um that it was a uh, computer animation, maybe with mm. those tablets and the pins. Um, but that, that kind of took me out for a minute, but then I realized, like I said, I'd seen the original so many times and I could sit there and spout off the lines through the movie. If, if I turned it down, I did like how they did take uh, a lot of the original dialogue and put it in this. I thought that was cool. Plus they added, added some stuff. And the other thing I liked about this is, uh, the story that Ben told uh, about the, the diner and seeing the zombies on, on, attack this uh, this truck, um, we they showed it. So I was like, oh, cool. Uh, all right, I'm here for it. So and then as the film went on, they did change a little, a little bit, uh, some small things, and um, the the death of um, Judy and um, what was the and other Tom. guy? And Tom. Um. The, that death scene, which I was, I was like, oh, cool. I was a little shocked by it, but I, I did like that. But it was basically pretty much shot for shot, uh, even uh, as the Romero's film. Um, again, I mean, not to bag on the artist that, that created this. I mean, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so, um, but I was there for it. I, I enjoyed it. This was the third watch that I, I watched it. 
because I remember telling one of my buddies when I bought it, so he came over and we watched it again. He was like, ah, oh, this is dumb. I hate it. Uh, I can appreciate what they did with this film, and I'm glad that they pretty much stuck to the original story because with with a, with some of the other ones, I mean, I didn't like that version when they had the original version, and then they reshot some stuff, and you can clearly see bad it looked. <laughs> Oh yeah, the uh, the infamous 30th anniversary edition, which I did oh, talk about. God, that one was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but in the end, after this third watch, I I did enjoy it. I, I enjoyed it a little bit more. And like Ooh. I said, I'm glad they didn't veer off the storyline and add all these other crazy things that wasn't really in the story. But I mean, not to say that it was wrong to do because it is a, a public domain film. So, but I was, I was, again, I was happy with, uh, with what we got. And like, like I said, almost, almost shot for shot and almost line for line throughout the whole film. But in the end, I did enjoy it. Yeah. I'm kind of, um, for me personally now having seen, I like myself, I've seen it three times now. The first time I watched it, I believe was I ever might've been last year for 31 days of horror. And then of course I watched it twice in prep for this show, like once as a refresher and as well as to take notes on it. And I, I am kind of the same as uh, you, Marcus. I am a bit more mixed on it overall, but I do agree uh, with you, Nez, that I was very misled by the cover art for this <laughs> film, because having, having seen the trailer for the director's previous film, To Your Last Death, and the cover art is actually very similar to the animation style in that film, I thought, okay, so... He's going to do that same animation style for this film, but no, it's um, definitely not as detailed or as defined as the animation in the previous film, at least based on the trailer that I saw. But also, the animation itself, it looks very cheap looking, and it almost kind of reminds me of animation you would see for a YouTube video in the late 2000s, <laughs> like when you see <laughs> com comedy videos or something like, um, not exactly similar, but very similar to stuff like uh, how this should have ended and stuff like that. That's what it kind of reminded me of when I was watching it. But also I was very kind of dumbstruck by the fact that, wow, this film is very much exactly shot for shot of the original film, just in animation form. So I was kind of both like impressed, but also puzzled by that, because even with the animation, like they sort of capture every single moment from the original film just even down to the tiniest detail they put in animation form for this film but of course they add a couple little things as well and also this film is a i believe it's about 25 minutes shorter than the original film as well so they definitely cut down a lot for this version so i'm kind of mixed on it overall i think I mean, it's Night of the Living Dead. I still found it a pretty watchable film. And also the added things that they added to it, I did enjoy. But at the same time, though, it's kind of similar to how I feel about Gus Van Sant's remake of Psycho, where it's literally shot for shot, where I'm in the kind of the mindset, like, it's kind of a little bit pointless, um, especially if you're doing it shot for shot. I, I would have preferred if they kind of did more with it to kind of make it its own rather than just replicating the same scenes and just using the same script. And if you watch the film, there's no writers credited on this film because it's literally the exact same script from the original film. I, I've kind of been two minds about it with this film, but we'll kind of dive into the film right now and talk about what we thought of the film overall. Like, do you throughout the whole 
synopsis, but also kind of talk about the little changes here and there. So essentially, the film does start off exactly the same. And you're going to hear me say that a lot during this episode with Barbara and Johnny coming to the cemetery. And then these characters, of course, are voiced by uh, Jimmy Simpson and Catherine Isabel. And of course, the scene pretty much plays off exactly the same as they are at the cemetery. Uh, They go put the flowers on their father's grave. They have an argument. Johnny does the famous, they're coming to get you, Barbara, line. Although I think Jimmy Simpson's uh, line delivery of that line wasn't very good, or at least not as memorable as Russ Steiner did it in the original film. But, you know, that's just me. And then, of course, um, they have a run-in with the cemetery zombie. And two things that happen in the scene, like once Barbara gets attacked and Johnny tries to defend her, we get two major things in this scene that kind of tell us about the film we're about to experience. Number one, the, the, the zombies throughout this entire film, compared to what they were in the original film, are definitely much more defined and they are much have much more gore and much more zombified looks in this version. And like every zombie looks incredibly different, which I was very impressed by. But also you get to experience how gory this version's going to be because as soon as Johnny hits the gravestone. It's not him just hitting the gravestone and he's knocked out. When he hits that gravestone, blood splatters everywhere and blood starts coming out of his eyes and nose and ears and all that. And then from there, Barbara runs away from the, tries to get to the car, doesn't start. The, the cemetery zombie, of course, tries to smash its way in. So she get manages to get away. Then eventually the car crashes. So she gets out, runs to the farmhouse, Again, pretty much shot for shot, as it is in the original film, with some added little things here and there. And then, of course, um, she goes upstairs and finds the dead body of the woman. There's also added little things in this scene, too, because, and again, you can do this in animation to add to the story, is that we discover from a different angle that the that the dead body has a massive hole at the back of its head. So we kind of assumed that it's the woman... She was killed, and then whatever zombie killed her ate her brains out, which I thought was a cool kind of detail. And then, of course, like, Barbara goes down stairs, gets freaked out, and she runs into Ben. So this is our first act of the story. Essentially, exactly the same in shot-for-shot format, but, of course, added little things here and there. So up to this point in the film, uh, Marcus, what are your thoughts on this part of the film? Um, well, uh, let's see. So first off, I want to say that the, 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 you know, when we first get the, the title sequence, uh, you know, Night of Living Dead, and we get that, uh, that freeze frame of that zombie that's all mangled up and stuff. Uh, mm. the music for that is pretty much perfect. Yeah. And in a way it kind of caught me off guard because I kind of expected us to like start with the, um, cemetery scene, like right off the bat. and <clears throat> so that was a nice change. And as far as like uh, that whole scene goes, um, as you said, pretty much shot for shot, uh, you know, except for Johnny hitting his head on the headstone and him and all the blood squirting out of his, out of his head, <laughs> which I must have been. I kind of laughed at that. I didn't I didn't think it was like hilarious, but I laughed because I was like, this is a good way to really just show. <laughs> how graphic this uh this variation is gonna be mm-hmm. but it didn't particularly need that 
you know? So it was it was kind of like a little bit of overkill, you know, just 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 a smidge, just a smidge. But um, but yeah, the entire sequence pretty much shot for shot. You said um, uh, when she when she gets to the house, I liked I actually did like how the house was kind of was was colored. It was a lot of yep. uh, grays and and blues and I mean, granted, you know, not the same as live action, but it definitely kind of captured that that kind of drab. Uh, bleak, you know, uh, uh, sensation a, a bit when it comes to the setting. And I also did like how the the corpse was a lot more detailed than everything else. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they spent, like, extra time, like, showing the details of that particular corpse than they did on pretty much everything, almost, now that I think about it. So uh, another, like, big way to kind of capture, you know, how much more graphic this is going to be. and um, I know you were talking about like the animation style. I mean, for me, it, it kind of seems like a little bit something from the 60s, you know, maybe the 60s, 70s, maybe at most 80s, you know. Uh, I think Nez said um, like heavy metal, which I kind of got yeah. that vibe too, but I also kind of thought a little bit of, uh, I remember uh, that cartoon, uh, Fire and Ice. It kind of. Oh, yeah got me it kind of uh, reminded me of that a little bit too kind of mixed in so but yeah it uh it's a it's 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 all good so far i mean it was i was getting a kick out of it and i I, i'm gonna point this out a couple more times during this whole podcast but the score for this really does a lot of the heavy lifting for this like it really does so (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure i think that's another thing that i really liked about the film is that the score which was done by nima fakura and i <laughs> and i probably butchered <laughs> your last name so please forgive me if i did is actually a really good score like it actually complements the film really well and also it does add a lot more intensity to a lot of the film and and i really liked it overall and also, it's funny though when you mentioned the the dead body having more detail. That is probably out of the out of everything else in this film. It's probably the one that almost kind of replicates what the DVD and Blu-ray cover of this film <laughs> looks like. Oh, but also, and um, also, you know, I never really thought about the animation style kind of going for that old school feel, like a '60s or '70s animated film and given that of course the original film came out in the 60s it kind of makes sense the animation style kind of replicate tv cartoon shows from that period you know like uh the scooby like scooby-doo or the flintstones and stuff like that so yeah i never really thought about it like watching the film in that context at least when it comes to its animation but now that i sort of think about it it kind of is maybe that's what they were going for and and not just making it on the cheap as i initially thought but then again it, it could maybe it's a mixture of both or maybe it's one or the other i'm not sure but uh but nez uh what are your thoughts up to this point of the film so far um i was there i was there for it i mean because like, like i said i liked it for them sticking to almost the original dialogue sticking to the setting of how the, the original film started and you guys mentioning the um uh, the corpse that was upstairs in the house. I'm looking at a picture of it right now because when we see it in the original film, it's just like really quick. This mm. one, it really focused on it a, a few times, and you can clearly see uh, whoever these artists were that did this really went for it because this film is rated R for the mm. for the 
blood and the gore, uh, which I thought was awesome. But um, I liked I liked what was happening in it. So, yeah, and I was really shocked with when uh, Johnny uh, bought it onto the the, the tombstone, a little uh, grave uh, headstone. Because even in uh, Tom Savini's, when um, Bill Mosley went down, uh, you can clearly see it was a dummy. But it, that I thought that was pretty brutal as well. But with this one, when he's climbing his head and the blood just and then leaking out of his mouth, I was like, okay, this is we're we're in for a different kind of ride. So, but I, I was watching one of the special features, and the director said that he liked doing the animation because he was able to make it more bloody than the original mm. film. So mm. I was like, so, but I liked what was going on. Uh, I am, oh yeah, I'm an artist, so I was really really paying attention to. The, the actual artwork. I mean, again, I don't I don't do this kind of art because you can clearly see it was. Um, I could be wrong. It, it looked like it was layered artwork, like a computer animation, like oh, yeah. focused on the main characters and then added all the extra stuff in the background, which I thought was really good, especially if depending on how big your TV screen is. Uh, I thought it looked really really good. Yeah, like I think uh, it was a mixture. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if it was done entirely in computer computer animation because like again the background's very obvious but i think even the characters maybe as well like again i'd have to uh watch the special features to find out but yeah i think that's a pretty good uh like assessment there from here on in uh we're introduced to the character of ben who's voiced by dule hill who i think actually gives one of the best vocal performances in the film because he really he plays ben as ben should be in Night of the Living Dead, and he does a great job with it. ...through urban and rural areas throughout the nation. And if they have not as yet evidence of... How long have you guys been down there? I could have used some help. That's the cellar. It's the safest place. You mean you didn't hear the racket we was making up here? How are we supposed to know what was going on up here? It could have been those things for all we knew. That girl was screaming. Anybody would have known somebody needed help. It's kind of hard to hear what's going on from down there. For all we knew, that could mean those things were in the house after her. And you wouldn't come up and help. That racket sounded like the place was being ripped apart. How are we supposed to know what was going on? Now, wait a minute. You just got finished saying you couldn't hear from down there. Now you say it sounded like the place was being ripped apart? It would be nice if you'd get your story straight, man. We lock into a safe place, and you're telling us that we gotta risk our lives just because somebody might need help, huh? Yeah, something like that. All right, why don't we settle this like- Look, mister, we came up, okay? We're here. Now I suggest we all go back downstairs before any of those things find out we're in here. They can't get in here. Oh, you got the whole place boarded up? Yeah, all but a few spots upstairs. They won't be hard to fix. You're insane. The cellar's the safest place. I'm telling you, they can't get in here. And I'm telling you, those things turned over our car. Now you tell me they can't get through this lousy pile of wood? Is indeed spread across the nation. And is His wife and kids downstairs. The kids hurt. <sighs> well, I still think we're better off up here. We could strengthen everything up, Mr. Cooper. With all of us working, we could fix this place up in no time. We have everything we need up here. We can take all that stuff downstairs. Man, you are really crazy, you know that? You got a million windows up here. You're gonna make them strong enough to keep these things out, huh? I told you, those things don't have any strength. I smashed three and pushed another one out the door. Did you hear me? I told you they turned over our car. Oh, hell, any good five men could do that. That's my point, only there's not gonna be five or even 10. There's gonna be 20, 30, maybe 100 of those things. This place is gonna be crawling with them. Well, if there's that many, they'll probably get us wherever we are. And pretty much from there, he meets Barbara. 
Barbara, I have to say, though, and maybe it's just me, as much as I do love Catherine Isabel, I've just found her uh, performance as Barbara throughout this film a bit wooden at times. And this is even before she starts to become catatonic uh, for the rest of the film. Like, even at the cemetery, something about her line readings came off as rather wooden compared to how Judith O'Day did the performance in the original. But that's just uh, just me, though. And then, of course, uh, Ben fights the zombies with the crowbar, and <laughs> which is, again, a much more gorious scene. And even at one point, the crowbar literally goes, like he uses the crowbar to knock the nose off a zombie. Then he s- smashes it through its eye. And I found it hilarious because it wasn't like, you know, the more edged ver- end that crowbars usually have. It was like the actual part where you use to <laughs> get the bolts off tires. So it just went straight through the zombie's head. And don't ask me why that sort of made me laugh. And as all this is happening, Barbara's inside sitting on the couch and another zombie comes in, crawls towards her and Ben comes in, knocks the zombie out and then stabs it in the head. And, (laughs) but what I find very interesting, like I was talking about before, like the little details that this, the animation does, like the people behind this film definitely did their homework to replicate everything that happens in this film. Because even at this point, uh, when Barbara's looking down at the zombie on the floor, and I've had a chance to talk about this because in the original film, as she's looking at the body, the zombie's eyes move back and forth, even though it has had trauma to the head. Now, what I always liked about this scene, because you could either interpret it as what Barbara is seeing is all in her head due to the shock she's going through, or again, since there's the zombies in Night of the Living Dead are still in their infancy, maybe that's just like a death twitch. I kind of like that the movie kind of, you like, you interpret that bit in the original film. And I was actually surprised that uh, Jason Axum actually replicated that little moment in the film and even adding to it by having uh, Barbara's breathing be a little bit hollow, like it's a bit echoey. So again, we're watching this scene from her point of view until Ben comes in and tells her not to look at her. So of course he throws the body outside, then sets it on fire and then comes back in. They have a, Barbara and Ben, of course, have a chat and Ben starts to board up the house. And this is another big change. And you mentioned this earlier before, Nez, is that Ben talks about how he got to the house by fighting the truck at Beekman's Diner. Now, if you see the original film, it's a very long monologue from Dwayne Jones. But in this version, uh, Jason Axons decides to actually show us the scene in flashback. So this is the first time we're seeing the Beekman Diner scene played out in film four. And uh, and I thought it was actually pretty cool to kind of get to see the scene. And also, again, this is, you know, letting Jason Axum do whatever in the scene. Since this is an entirely original scene, he can play up with the scene as much as he likes in animation. And of course, we see the truck smashed into the gas station. It explodes. The zombies catch on fire, try to look for Ben. And of course, the zombies come out of the diner and chase him to the truck. Nez, what did you think of finally getting to see the Bigman Diner scene in this version of the film? My initial first watch of it, I mean, I, I got home kind of late and I looked at the runtime and said, oh, this isn't very long. So I was kind of just sitting there watching it, listening, glancing up. 
uh, when I, cause I was poking around on my phone, but I was still paying attention. But when he got to that part, yeah, like you said, in the original, it was like a long dialogue and it's him boarding up the house and doing what he was doing. But when we, we got to see it, I mean, because for me, as I got older watching the original film, always imagining what uh, he was saying in this story. Didn't didn't even come close to what what they showed in there, but I thought it was really neat. And like I said, it, uh, like like what we've been saying, it's been word for word with the dialogue. It was cool that they they used the actual uh, original dialogue and they gave it to us in art form, and it was just it was awesome to see. And I was hoping for a little more uh, that they would do that, but I guess that was the only one they could have done. That was the only one that was telling the story uh, about mm. it. I thought it was really cool. I was happy and I was excited and shocked that they did, that we finally got to see uh, Ben's story. And what about you, Marcus? One thing I actually uh, will definitely maybe quote with from both of you is I feel like this particular version of the story does place a little bit more emphasis on the perspectives of Ben and Barbara, you know, Mm. because we get a lot of different parts that are shown, you know, from their eyes. And I think that's where <clears throat> this uh, this flashback comes into play in a very, you know, amazing way. As much as we love the monologue that, you know, Dwayne Jones gives in the original, you know, we always kind of wanted to see that scene, you know? So in order to understand even what he was feeling in those moments and what he witnessed and, you know, you know to see that part played out on this was definitely you know uh pretty great and <clears throat> i definitely uh enjoyed it and there's a lot of points uh around this particular time in the story where we do kind of get a lot more of ben being a lot a lot more dangerous and a lot more you know, uh, uh certain of himself you know especially when he's killing all these zombies <laughs> when Arbor first sees him, you know, I also like the, the touch of them adding that zombie in the, um, in the house that almost gets Barbara comes in and, and, and kills it. I don't, I don't believe that was in the original. Uh, I, I don't think so, but I, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, oh yeah. The, uh, and, that zombie was in the original, but they kind of, oh, uh, uh, it's a, Okay. Okay. Uh, no, it just the way they animated that. It, it seemed different from what I what I've seen oh, yeah. before. So it just it, it felt it felt fresh. You know, it did. So, but then again, that also could be uh, attributed to the fact that you know we see Ben killing a lot more zombies outside, and it's a lot more graphic, as you said, a lot more bloody, um, a lot more squishy. The, <laughs> the sound effects <laughs> of this are just like. They're not overdone, but they're just so, like, you know, intensely loud. So it's like, you know, you hear every blow he hit, every stab, every every step is just, like, really played out and really intense. And it, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good sequence. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good. It's just <laughs> they definitely wanted to add a lot more to this whole uh sequence with him in the house and and barbara and and stuff like that and and i definitely want to point out another thing when it comes to barbara there's a part in the movie where what she hears is very muffled you know um other characters are talking sounds really muffled like she has like cotton in her ears or something 
another very nice touch definitely plays into her catatonic state and her <clears throat> her fear and you know I, I i like that as well so that, that's why i said you know a lot of this is i kind of uh, taken a bit more from those two you know their perspectives i agree with that i agree with that and uh from here of course uh barbara of course goes into what happened her monologue about what happened to her and johnny and again this is another scene where i felt like Catherine isabel's performance was a little lackluster in this scene then of course like she freaks out wants to go find johnny ben slaps her and then of course she gets she passes out and then ben goes around to the house starts boarding everything up but i like how they kind of quicken the pace of the scene by using a bit of split screen as well which i thought was actually a pretty clever way to do it and then of course barbara wakes up ben tells her he's going to go upstairs to get rid of the dead body and i like one of the things i did like about this film is that there's a lot of overhead shots in this film whether it be barbara <laughs> laying on the couch or when ben goes upstairs to move the body we get a lot of overhead shots and also another little added thing, which wasn't in the original, is that when Ben is moving the body, he walks past a wall and it has pictures of a family on it. But it's kind of done in an interesting way. So you get the first picture, which is of a young boy. Then the second picture is the young boy with his parents. But then you get a third picture, which is just the boy now and his as a teen with just his mother. And then the fourth and final picture, which is uh, the boy now a, a man with his mother who's a lot older now we already now we definitely assume that the woman in these pictures is of course the dead body but i liked in this little scene and it didn't catch it and i didn't pay this attention till the first time i watched it but on the second watch i kind of like this quick little thing because it actually kind of gives us a little bit of a backstory on who this dead body was and kind of bring a little bit of humanity to this dead body by showing that yeah before all this happened this person had a life prior to the zombie outbreak and also tells a story because it's very obviously something happened to the husband whether they divorced or he died and also what happened to the son maybe the son became a zombie and killed her that's kind of one of the things we can assume because like even in the 1990 remake they actually add more zombies within the house so it's kind of an interesting thing that the film does in just this quick little scene so with that out of the way barbara of course uh, hears a noise and she notices that there's another door opening up which is from the cellar and of course we're introduced to all the characters that we know like harry and tom who are in this version voiced by josh dumel and uh, james rode rodriguez and of course the scene pretty much plays out exactly the same as it does in the original film ben and harry get very sort of antagonistic towards each other although i gotta say though and i'd be curious to hear what you guys think is that i think josh dumel which when i heard he was voicing harry i thought okay that's a very bizarre casting choice <laughs> to voice harry but i honestly think he did a good job in the part because compared to what uh the performance in the original film like i feel like through josh demel's vocal delivery i feel like he tries to at least give a bit more empathy to the character of harry in this version so he's not overly shouty not overly antagonistic you know you can kind of understand where harry is coming from in this version and why he is the way he is of course kind of plays out the same and then of course we're introduced to helen 
who's voiced by Nancy Travis in this version, and uh, Judy, played by Katie Sackhoff. And then as all this is going on, they watch the TV to see the news report, and they form a plan to go get the petrol from the gas pump. So up to this point in the story, before we get to the third act, uh, Marcus, what are you thinking of this act of the film so far? Well, I will say, and I don't know if this may sound a little mean, but are this thing Josh Jubel has ever done to me? I mean, no, he, he, ha- he, ha- he has done voices for other, like, animated films, particularly most recently, I believe he did a voice, I think, for Two-Face in uh, Batman The Long Halloween animated films. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe he needs to switch to to vocal performances because <laughs> he was he was good in that. I remember that you know uh, very well, and he's definitely really good in this. I feel like when he shows up and uh, him and uh, uh, you know Cooper and Ben start to you know bicker and everything like that, like Dumel and Hill, they have a, a somewhat of a very like even keeled kind of chemistry. You know, uh, you know, Hill's very like laid back, has that gravitas and Dumel's very stern, almost like somewhat chaotic. It, it, it just kind of works a lot better than most, uh, probably most of the other interactions in this entire, you know, version and really kind of uh, you know, brings the whole situation up a little, a little bit more live, you know, than uh, than everything else has kind of happened, at least when it comes to, you know, their uh their, conversa- their conversations and stuff. So I definitely enjoyed that. Um, as far as everybody else, um, I believe that that kind of contributes to like the cast that they got for this, because I feel like in even in the original version, Tom is 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 very young and very meek, you know, in a way, very confused about everything going on. But he's still trying to be, you know, brave, you know, for you know, for Judy, you know, and in this one, he's a bit more assertive, bit more not standoffish, but a, a bit more like um, reasonably combative because there's one part where that part where um, he uh, tells Judy to come up from the cellar. He, he like pushes Cooper out of the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like he, like he didn't do that in the original version. And I, I really like that touch, you know, right there, because it's like he in the original, he's He's kind of a, fucker, but in this one, he's a bit more of an equal when it comes to everybody else. So I, I really enjoyed that. As far as like uh, Mrs. Cooper uh, goes, uh, she's kind of the same. I, uh, wasn't bad, wasn't good, but just kind of, you know, the same. Didn't really bring much else to the proceedings. Um, and as far as like Judy goes with uh, Katie Sackoff, you keep talking about Barbara, but I felt like that was like the worst performance, honestly. I don't know what it was, but it's it, they just I, I believe they 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 had her they wanted her to sound duty in the original. It just came off very breathy and Marilyn Monroe. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm <laughs> maybe I'm reaching, but didn't really mesh with any of the other performances at all to me. Like it it, it was odd. Like, very, very odd. But no, as far as, like, everything else leading up to this point, you know, it's 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 all been good. You know, it really has. Because in the original, when everyone else kind of comes into the fray, you know, we get more of the, 
the, you know, the different perspectives, different emotions, different, you know, experiences with this whole thing. And, and that still plays out very well, in this, especially when everyone's trying to listen to the, the, the broadcast and, you know, um, bickering and arguing and trying to decide, like, you know, what to do next. So, yeah, that, that whole part still remains very true. And uh, I have to point out, because I didn't realize this until uh, just now, but uh, if fans, if people are fans of the TV show Psych, uh, both Dulé Hill and James Rodé Rodriguez were the leads of that show. So <laughs> Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> and um, I actually do a I actually do agree with your assessment on um, Katie Sackhoff's performance as Judy, because I, yeah, like when I rewatched it again, it's like she's very breathy with her performance. Like you say, almost Marilyn Monroe like. Yeah. And I I don't know what she was kind of going for. Again, she probably was trying to replicate what the actress did in the original film, but I don't think it really kind of worked. And also Katie Sackhoff, I I just didn't feel like she was kind of given much to do with Mm -hmm the character of Judy, which is kind of shame. Cause I feel, feel like maybe she probably would have been more better as Barbara for me personally, but you know, that's beside the yeah. point, but, um, <laughs> but uh, Des, <laughs> what are you thinking your thoughts so far of this, uh, this part of the film? I like what was going on in the film, but when coming to the, the voice talents, Josh Dumel, I wasn't buying it as Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, the original guy, as well as uh, Tom Tolls and uh, Tom Savini's one, they were more like, Oh, grumpy old men and they were loud yeah. and real demanding he tried to be that way but it just i'm so used to this um pretty boy image that we've had of him mm. uh, thus far mm. within or not saying it's, it's bad I and mean, i do like him in in some films even that his action and his romantic comedy ones but i don't know i just wasn't buying it from him in this one yeah i could definitely understand that yeah Catherine isabel she kind of was wishy-washy uh, Katie Sackhoff, I, mean, I love her. Starbuck, uh, Bo-Katan. Mm. What were they, what, they, was there just someone telling her to, hey, speak this way? Watch the, uh, I can't remember the actress name that played her in the original film. Because she was really soft-spoken. Her version of Judy was the same way. There was times where I was like, what'd you say? But I don't know. It, <laughs> it, it, it didn't even sound like her either. Because, I mean, when you hear her and other things that she has uh, done uh, animated stuff, mainly like Clone Wars or whatever, Rebels, I can't remember what show she was on. Um, you knew it was her. This one, mm. she was soft-spoken and, oh, the, the damsel in distress, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, I, I don't know. I just, I think out of her, out of everyone that was in it, she hardly had any lines. It was like she was there, yeah. set lines, and then the next thing you know, boom, she was dead. I don't know. I, I wasn't uh, really, really buying her. Um, Nancy Travis, I thought she did a good job being like uh, all the other the Helens that we've seen so far, really uh, worried about what's going on, worried about her daughter, uh, dealing with her little um, uh, commanding husband. Uh, I thought she did really good out of all of them. But yeah, um, Josh Jamal, I, I wasn't really buying uh, his mm. version. So, but I mean, and not yeah. to take, didn't take me out of it. I was still there for the whole film, but yeah, it was just um, mainly Josh Duhamel and Katie Sackhoff. Their their voice performances was maybe that's just what they told them to do. I, I don't know. Tom, are you sure about the phone? The phone is dead. If I could only call the folks, they're going to be so worried about us. Everything's going to be okay. As soon as we get to Willard, we'll call them. They might even be there. Tom, are you sure we're doing the right thing? What about getting out of here? Yeah. Well, the television said we've got to get to a rescue station. I don't know. 
Oh, come on. You're starting to sound like Mr. Cooper now. But why do you have to go out there? Because I know how to handle that truck. And I can handle the pump. Ben doesn't know anything about that stuff. But we're safe in here. We're safe now. But there's going to be more and more of those things. I know all that. Uh, remember when we had the big flood? And remember how difficult it was for us to convince you that it was right to leave? This isn't a passing thing. We've got to do something, and fast. I just don't want you to go out there. That's all. Hey, smile, honey. Where's that big smile for me? We better get her downstairs. We have to go downstairs now, Barbara. She's right. You have to go downstairs. Just for a little while. Then we can all leave. Oh, I'd like to leave. Yes. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Like, I think, it, like I said, it was kind of bizarre that Josh DeBell was cast as Harry. Because I would assume, like, they would get, you know, a much more older, kind of gruffer kind of actor to voice that part. But, you know, they went with Josh DeBell. But I think... I can definitely see it's kind of a weird miscasting that kind of worked for me because, again, I think he gives a very different type of vocal performance for Harry that kind of at least on some level would make me understand why Harry the way is the way he is in this film. But, you know, again, that's just me. But I can definitely see your point for sure. So from here, this is where the fun stuff really begins. So they decide to, of course, get the truck to go over to get the uh, the gas. And so that's the plan they decided. So pretty much, again, it plays out exactly the, the same as it is in the original. And once Ben and Tom are out to the truck, again, this is where the gore factor gets heightened in this version of the film. Mm. Because as Tom's getting into the truck, a zombie is trying to reach in and get him. So he slams the zombie's arm so hard that the arm literally falls off. And I love the fact that it seems like everyone's body parts in this film this naturally just seem to fall away pretty quickly <laughs> in um in this film. So Judy, of course, comes out. And again, another little detail and another little thing I love from the original film that's also replicated here is that Harry tries to stop her from going outside, but she goes anyway. And as soon as uh, Harry closes the door behind her, she looks back. And I always love that little moment in the original film because it's like Judy's like in that that's a oh shit what have I what have I done kind of moment so it's and so now she has to go with Tom and Ben yeah so she gets into the car and another little interesting detail that Jason Axon puts into the film is that we see how Judy gets her coat caught in the door because we don't see that in the original film because we just hear that mm -hmm. oh my jacket is stuck and that, and then, of course, the truck blows up. But here we actually see how her coat gets stuck in the door. So she slams on her jacket, and so a little bit is outside the door. So now we see how her jacket gets stuck in this version. Of course, they go to the pump. The key doesn't work. Ben shoots it. Tom grabs the gas. And, of course, like, since Ben put the torch on the ground, the gas immediately lights up. And, of course, the truck in this version is even more engulfed in flames. So Tom gets in with Judy to drive away. And as they're about to escape, Judy, of course, says, oh, my jacket's stuck. I can't get out. 
So Tom goes back in to get the jacket out. And of course, the truck explodes. And we see Judy and Tom's demise in this version because shrapnel from the explosion takes out half a chunk of Judy's throat and as well decapitates half of Tom's head. So it's a pretty graphic scene. And I always (laughs) laugh because when I see gore in live action films, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And <laughs> but anytime I see gore in animated films, for some bizarre reason, it kind of hits me differently because maybe it's because I'm not used to seeing gore in animated films. So it, so it's always kind of um a weird thing to me when I watch an animated film that has gore in it, because it kind of hits me differently than it does in a in a live action film. So Ben's trapped outside with the zombies. We get another cool overhead shot. He beats the shit out of zombies left and right on the way back to the house. <laughs> then Ben wants wants Harry to let him in. He finally gets in. Of course, Ben punches out Harry. And and then from there, uh, more gory parts is that the zombies go to town on eating both Tom and Judy's because their bodies are now fully charred. And we get to see a lot of zombie munching in this scene. So... Now, up to this point, uh, Nez, what are you thinking so far of this truck sequence? Because it's definitely a lot more gorier than the original. And also, like, yeah, the little added details, like how Judy got her jacket stuck in the door. Yeah, I like that. I mean, for some reason, I always had in my head when she goes, my jacket's caught. I thought it was stuck on, like, uh, for you younger listeners, before your automatic windows, there was a knob you like that you turned to roll the windows down. For some reason, I always thought it got caught on that. But in this version, we see it. uh, She closes the door and her jacket's stuck on there. So I thought that was really cool. And it always bugged me in this one. And it bugged me in the original how when um, Tom gets the, uh, is that his name? Yeah, Tom. When he gets the, when he gets the the gas, uh, the pump or the little thing, the, the nozzle. When he gets it and holds it and it just automatically starts squirting gas out and then turns it around gets it all over the truck and, and the ground and that's what it ignites but that, that bugged me in the original bugged me in this one too but i did like that we we got to see what happened to them because in the original we just see a boom explosion and that's mm-hmm. it this one we, we get an explosion yeah and i loved the the shrapnel from the engine uh, that comes flying through the window takes off his head and then takes off half of judy's jaw and then they just kind of just keel over and die I was kind of wanting a big explosion like we got in the, in the original mm. film, but it just kind of like they, they they just died and then they they burned up. So, but I yeah. thought that was cool, and and I loved Ben how he uh, what he did to shoot off the the padlock, um, which the boys and girls don't shoot bullets at gas pumps, <laughs> no matter how good they <laughs> are. But exactly. I liked what they did here. They they gave us a little extra. And they, as well as sticking to the original of what we saw in the original mm. film. I, I love this part. And uh, Marcus, your thoughts? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I laugh about it now and I laughed about it then. But, I, I, you know, you know, sometimes when you watch a horror movie and you see someone's death and you're just like, man, this movie or this story really hates this character. Like, that's how I felt when I saw <laughs> Tom and Judy get killed. <laughs> I was expecting just the regular explosion, you know, because, you know, I mean, 
as much as we want to see more, that's more than enough. You know, you get blown up mm. in a car, that's kind of it for you, you know? And, and this one, it's like, no, we want to, we want to really show you how much they're, they, they, they get killed in this. We want to show you every single part. We want, we want, we want you to see their, their faces get rearranged by shrapnel. <laughs> And then, you know, in case, and then what I loved about it was I thought that that's all we we're going to see. Like, I thought we were just going to get, you know, the shrapnel hitting them, they keel over and that's it. Nope, still get blown up. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is, uh, this story kind of hates these characters now. Like, it really hates them. I, I laughed about it. And, but then I was, you know, I thought about it some more and I was like, that was still pretty cool to see. It was, uh, it was a lot more than I thought, but, still cool to see and you know along with showing more of ben you know being a badass and, and killing more zombies on the way back to the house and um another little touch i i noticed uh, maybe you guys you know let me know or not but um in the original when he gets back to the house the zombies aren't as close to him as they were in this version because i feel like in this version they were literally like half a second away from grabbing him before he, you know, kicks the door open and, uh, you know, shuts it behind him. So I thought that was a, a nice little touch on that. I also kind of feel like there were more zombies during this part than there were in the oh, original. Yeah. yeah, like, a lot more. <laughs> like, you can literally oh, yeah. see Ben get completely surrounded and there's, like, so many of them just, like, coming at him as he's like killing a killing a few and trying to get away as fast as he can and definitely enjoyed that um and again got time the score the entire time the music is just perfect for this almost a little too perfect because i'm because <laughs> i'm like watching it and i'm like man this 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 the music for this is really really good but it, it's it's almost kind of taking over you know, the, the scene, but that's just me being a little nitpicky, but, but yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed, you know, the, the, that whole part they left in my favorite part, you know, of the original, one of my, one of the many favorite parts uh, of the original is, you know, Ben beating the crap out of uh, Cooper, you know, which I always enjoy no matter what version it is. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they sort of added, yeah, a lot more zombies, but also kind of add more tension by having him get closer and closer to the bed as he's knocking on the door. I think that was definitely something that they added in with the film. So from here on out, again, everything plays out exactly the same. <laughs> so <laughs> where are Ben, Barbara, Harry and Helen, they figure out what to do next. And then the lights go out. And then the zombies start storming the house. Harry, of course, grabs Ben's gun and tells them all to get down to the cellar. And, of course, Ben and Harry have a scuffle. Ben grabs the gun and shoots Harry. Then Harry falls down the stairs to the cellar where Karen is. And then, of course, more of the zombies start coming in. Helen gets grabbed by a couple of zombies. And, of course, Barbara finally comes out of her catatonic state to help free Helen and also fight off the zombies. And then Helen goes downstairs and of course finds Karen down there killing Harry and munching on him. And then of course, again, it plays out exactly the same where Karen kills Helen with the trowel 
And it's probably this, the depth of this one, of course, is, uh, ver- I mean, the version of this depth is definitely much more gorier <laughs> than it was in the original. Then, if, then back upstairs, Ben and then Barbara try to stop the zombies, but of course they come smashing in through the door. That's when, of course, Barbara sees the zombified version of Johnny and he grabs her and pulls her outside. Ben tries to help, but she gets taken in by the swarm of zombies. He get he walks back. Karen tries to comes upstairs and tries to bite him, and then he pushes us away. Then he goes down to the cellar, locks the door behind him, goes downstairs, and finds both Harry and Helen dead. And then, of course, Harry starts to rise up. And I like how in this version, because in the original one, from what I remember, Ben only shoots Harry once. <laughs> but in this version, he shoots him three times in the head. Um, <laughs> to gory effect. Then, of course, he shoots uh, Helen in the head as well, and then he collapses on the floor. And uh, (laughs) so I like how they just added even more gore to the scene with Harry's death in this one. And then, of course, um, the next day we we see the... Uh, the sheriff and his posse. And of course, the sheriff was featured earlier in the film during the news bulletins and that. And in this version, he's voiced by Will Sasso. And of course, they stumble across the farm and they go around and shoot all the zombies. But here's one little thing, and I don't know if you guys noticed this little detail. I never noticed this the first time around, but I watched the film the second time. I noticed this. I thought, am I sure about this? So I rewind it back to watch it again. Do you guys realize we find out what happens to Barb after when she's taken by Johnny? Because in a very quick little scene, when the the posse goes around and shoots all the zombies, we see a female zombie in the distance who has a similar dress to Barbara, blonde hair as well, and is missing an arm. And then, of course, one of the posse shoots the zombie dead. Like, I don't think anyone would have catched this at first since you know, the zombie is way off into the distance. But I saw that, I thought, that has to be Barbara because it looks exactly similar to her. And I and it made me think, like, was this also in the original film as well? Because I, I need to go back and see. But I don't think it was. And I thought this was actually a cool little detail in hmm. this scene to kind of show, like, what happened to Barbara. Like, she was killed. She became a zombie. And then, yes, yeah, she too was shot by the posse. And then, of course... um. The film kind of plays out again the same. Ben hears the gunshots. He goes upstairs. And then the posse see Ben through the window in silhouette. And they just assume he's a zombie. And graphically, he get, Ben gets shot in the, de- in the head. We see the hole and everything and the blood spatter against the wall. The posse comes inside. And I like how uh, Jason Axon kind of does the ending of Ben's death because it's shot very differently than it is from the original film. So we, we see more overhead shots of Ben lying on the floor, but then we have a cool little shot where Ben's looking up at the sheriff and his posse. Then, of course, they figure out exactly what to do with the body, so they get the hooks, get Ben, and this is all done in overhead shot as they drag him to the, the pile of dead zombies, and they throw him on the the pile and again it's still done in overhead shot and i like another little detail and again i didn't notice this until re-watching it again is that when ben is thrown onto the pile 
there's a zombie next to him, and I believe that zombie body is meant to be Harry because the wounds look very similar to his uh, how he was killed by Ben earlier in the film. Yeah, and so, yeah, the posse set the zo- Ben and the zombies on fire, and we get a very big, long shot of the fire burning, and then, of course, the sheriff and his posse just muttering about amongst themselves having coffee and this very big long shot and then the film fades out with uh with the score playing i felt like jason axon how he kind of approached this section of the film particularly with ben's death was actually handled pretty well again it's very different in how it's staged in the original film but i think having those overhead shots of ben being dragged to the pile actually really made the scene much more impactful. I mean, not as impactful as it is in the original film, but at least made how he interpreted the ending of the original in this version, it still had an impact when you watched it. So, Nez, what did you think of the last half of the film and particularly how Ben's death was handled in this ending? I liked it. Again, shot for shot, almost dialogue for dialogue. I thought that was really cool. Sorry about the dog barking. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. But um, we skipped over the the barbecue scene <laughs> when they ate up uh, Tom and Judy. <laughs> oh yeah, we did we did see that. Yes, yeah, so it pretty much kind of plays out that as well. Like yeah, the oh they must have had a barbecue here. But at least in this version, I will admit though, it didn't come across as more as jokey as it did <laughs> in the original <laughs> film. So, <laughs> but I, I liked how it was basically just same thing, shot for shot, even to the point where it was earlier in the film. When the one female zombie took that worm off the tree and ate it. I love mm. that they um but the end, um the original in the in the film, uh when after they shoot Ben, it just turns into still shots. But yeah, this one we actually see them come in, hook Ben in the shoulder and drag him uh to the fire. I mean the original film, any version of Night of the Living Dead when when Ben buys it, I just uh, I Again, I came up with all kinds of questions to ask uh, George Romero, but that would slip my mind. Like, why did you, why did you kill him after the the hell that he went through trying to stay alive? But I mean, I know there's other there's reasons why, but it just never sat right with me, even in this one, because you know it's coming, uh, and I'm just like, ah, uh, like you feel for him. Like you, you didn't care about Tom. I mean, or not Tom. Um, yeah, Tom. You didn't care about him. You wanted him to get killed. <laughs> so, but <laughs> not Tom. Was it Harry? Harry. Oh, Harry. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, Harry. You wanted you wanted him to die, no matter what version it was. <laughs> uh, but I, I liked what they did here. Even the, I mean, they animated um, the sheriff on how they looked. He had the hat and uh, standing there drinking coffee and the cigarettes that they were all smoking uh, and everything. I just thought it was it was just amazing what they did at the end with this one. I mean, they didn't change it. It was still how it ended. I mean, not like what Savini did in the 90 version where Barbara survived and, and uh, mm. we um, Ben in zombie form. But no, I love what they did uh, with this one at the end. And, and you know what? You guys you guys mentioned the score. Mm. I need to, I might have to watch it a fourth time. I, I don't think I was really even paying attention uh, to the music other than the very beginning of the film when mm. we went the, 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 the silhouette of the zombie in the Night of the Animated Dead. But the original film, I love that 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 little score in the beginning when we see the car driving up the road. To me, 
that still it takes me back to when I first saw this, how I was scared every time I heard that music, even the many years, um, 51 years old now, uh, it still gives me that little chill and spook like, OK, this is eerie music. So I might have to go back and rewatch it again and listen to, listen to the score. But with the ending of the film, um, after uh, Ben gets back in the house and, and he fights Harry, I thought that was cool. Yeah, in the scene when um, when Helen, when she buys it, uh, when she gets killed by her daughter, yeah, we just see the little girl come over and that's it. But no, we see it over and over. And yeah, when, when Ben shoots Harry multiple times, which was, was amazing. Uh, I just loved what they did at the end. and But I'm glad that they stuck with what happened in the original film is what happened in this animated version. So, But yeah, I was just totally happy with the way it ended. Did you guys watch the credits as they were rolling? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I know that um, mm-hmm. as the credits are rolling, the score is definitely playing. But of course, you can still hear like the the fire burning and also the posse kind of talk amongst themselves as the as the credits uh, go on. Yeah, because I, I had to turn it up because I wanted to. Is this something extra? But it was yeah, it mm. was just chit chat. <laughs> it was nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Marcus, what did you think of the end sequence of this film? Well, I mean, uh, I will say that it, it went by a little bit faster than mm. in the original. I wanted to kind of wrap things up after, you know, Tom and Judy, you know, get burned up and sliced up and everything. So, but, but no, everything pretty much played out, you know, same, you know, Siege on the House, been shooting him multiple times, which I also loved. Barbara getting yanked into the swarm. Little Karen eating her father, then stabbing her mother multiple, multiple times. Like it, uh, I think in the original, we get like maybe three, four stabs, and this one we get like 10. It was, it was mm. just, like, over and over and over, and the stuff just and the blood just squirting all over the place. And, um, but though I will say, you know, it's interesting you said that, uh, you know, at the end, you can, you know, that uh, might be um, Barbara. That the that the mob shoots. I kind of feel like one missed opportunity on this was when Barbara gets you know yanked into the swarm and everything because she sees Johnny. I feel like they could have really like accentuated her death a bit more. Because mm. remember, um, Shaun of the Dead when uh, David gets uh, yanked into the um, the swarm of zombies and they basically rip open his stomach. <laughs> uh, are you saying that Barbara should have had the Captain Rhodes treatment, uh, Marcus? I mean, uh, kind of. I mean, everybody else's death in this movie was like even more graphic. And I felt like Barbara's was going to, Barbara was going to get like the, the ultimate like death, but Hers was kind of exactly the same. So I was like, okay, well, why did we get the else getting killed even more graphically, but Barbara stayed the same? You know, it was it was kind of interesting, kind of iffy for me. But, you know, it's fine. It, it, it's just a small little grievance. But maybe, you know, this film kind of made me bloodthirsty than I thought I was going to be at, at one point because, you know, they, they, they put you there. <laughs> they they put you there and you just kind of you're kind of ready for everything to just be you know very dementedly like fucked up so it's like <laughs> so but um but no everything else played out 
uh, really well. As far as like um, the final scenes with with Ben, I'm with Nez. I still do not like that ending. <laughs> you know, as much as I love Night Living Dead, I do not like the fact that Ben gets killed after everything that he's been through. Be there. I, I you know, remember uh, when me and you did Resurrection. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I thought it couldn't get any more worse than that, but apparently Resurrection, it does, because they kill Ben off early in that movie. So, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, I I still enjoy the, the fact that, you know, his death is so bleak and somber, really kind of uh, stays to the theme of the original, even though I still don't completely agree with it and as far as uh this version goes you know just adding the fact that he's looking up at all these poets standing over him almost as if like he's kind of still alive but not it's very effective very effective a lot more effective than i thought it was gonna be which you know only adds to you know the 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 messed upness of them dragging him to the fire and Placing him, and I agree with you, uh, Bead. I think that was uh, Harry's body, you know, next to next to him. So it, uh, it uh, definitely was a nice, another nice touch, another uh, different touch. That at first I was kind of like, ah, eh, but then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, yeah, this definitely helps kind of set this apart from a lot of the other versions a little bit. And so, yeah, you know, I, I dug it. Well, I guess um, that I guess this could be a wrap on our discussion of Night of the Animated Dead. So, Ned, what are your final thoughts on this film? In a whole, uh, after watching it three times, I, I can appreciate uh, what the director has done. I can appreciate all, all the artwork and the hard artwork. Uh, that they did to make this film. I know some people, well, even one of my buddies, he's a, a good graphic artist. Uh, he was like, oh man, this is crap. I would have done it this. I, would, I said, then if he was done it like that, then you should do it. <laughs> but no, I, I can appreciate it, and I thank everyone that, that made this film for us. Uh, being a fan of the original film and now being a fan of this film. Will I watch it again anytime soon? But probably not. But I do have it here in my library and I'm glad that I have it. But as, as of I think what I appreciate but appreciate about the most is it was pretty much shot for shot and dialogue for dialogue throughout the whole film. And I love the little changes and the little things that, that they did to uh, make it more um, entertaining for us. Like the the the, this, this, the Ben scene, uh, seeing his story, the, the more graphicness of, uh, of Tom and Judy's uh, death. And it was it was good. I mean, the the blood and the guts in this was uh, so much more than than the original. And like I said, like what the director said, he was able to do more with it because it was animated. Maybe if it was live action he was doing, maybe he would have, but maybe not as much because Mm. I thought to make films. But in the end, Night of the Animated Dead, I love it. Um, Yeah, it was an awesome film. Awesome. And uh, Marcus, your final thoughts on the film? I mean, the original is basically like a grand standing staple of dead horror, you know, culturally and significantly relevant now, you know, as it was when it was released, you know, back in the sixties, you know, uh, Romero, it, it's, it's, it's a, he's a master. And that was budget 
masterpiece that continues to evolve and it, it continues to show like the unparalleled power of, of storytelling and and layered filmmaking we, you know you you do all these versions and you see what each one of them can bring you know to that legacy and some of them bring something and some of them don't as far as this one goes I feel like it does bring a little bit more to the legacy you know despite some of the flaws it, it you know it it definitely has i mean again you know that that score it really this film up you know way higher than it kind of deserves to be and really brings that 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 bleak like harrowing like motive to this particular execution you know in the foreground and background and made up some shortcomings i feel like if this was released maybe in the you know the 70s 80s maybe in the 90s you know no doubt it would have received much more acclaim exposure than it does now you know i feel like some mm. concepts they work a little bit better in different time periods than the one we're currently in but this one is is definitely a a, a decent if not solid you know companion piece to the original it adds more to its own existence just as it does to the original i mean some people probably look at this as a very very numb you know endeavor you know devoid of any kind of creativity beyond you know violence for the sake of violence but uh it it it's more than that you know i, I feel like this kind of gives fans a very interesting look at a movie they love told the same but in a different fashion and it, it definitely kind of echoes the legacy adds to it doesn't take away from it you know despite you know its flaws and it's all around just a, you know a, a good time you know i said earlier that this was a movie and you know based on this discussion and the more we've talked about it you know i i, I want to retract that statement you know this th- this was good you know this was this was this was decent Am I going to watch it again anytime soon? Mm, Probably not, but I will definitely watch it again because it's definitely worth watching. And that's basically like the biggest praise you can give these types of films. Yeah, I guess my final thoughts on the film. I I guess I'm still mixed on it overall. Like I think, like I could definitely see some people's criticism of, of it being kind of pointless given that it is basically shot for shot line for line of the original film just with some little added little things to it but i think with our discussion between the three of us it definitely has made me appreciate it a little bit more like i can definitely see what they're going for to kind of update this story by making it faithful to the original film while also modernizing it by adding a lot more gore and a couple little interesting elements to it so overall like i still think yeah, I kind of wish it kind of did a bit more to kind of make it its own kind of film while still following the basic structure of the original. Kind of like what um, Night of the Living Dead uh, Darkest Dawn kind of did with its story, even though the animation of that is <laughs> is pretty terrible. But for most part, yeah, I mean, even though I was I'm kind of mixed on this one, it is watchable. Like I did find it a pretty watchable film and I think like you both said, the mixture of it being faithful and also being slightly different does add to it. But also being it is Night of the Living Dead, I'm still engaged by the story. And I think 
for most part, the vocal performances are pretty solid overall. Uh, the score, I thought, was really good. And and I guess with um, what you were saying before, Nez, like the fact that you did that you didn't really pick up on the score as you're watching it probably just kind of says how good of a score it was because it didn't distract you from what was happening in the scene. Like it, it just made you more involved with the film overall. And I think it does a good job with there. Like the animation, I could definitely see people have iffy with, but again, now seeing it in the context of kind of doing it in the style of a 60s animated TV show, like it kind of makes sense for that, uh, approach. Although I kind of would have liked it to have been more like the deep, like the Blu-ray cover, but um, but you know it is what it is. But uh, but overall, I think it is a watchable film. But I could definitely see why people would not like it, given that it is too faithful. But you know, I think overall it's a pretty watchable film, even if it is a bit of a mixed bag. But that being said, though, I guess that could be a wrap on this episode of Bead versus the Living Dead. I had a really good time discussing the film that inspired me to create the show in the first place. And thank you both uh, Marcus and Nez for coming on the show and talking about it with me. Thank you for being on. Awesome time. (laughs) But uh, before we wrap up the, uh, (laughs) the show tonight, uh, Marcus, where can people find you on the internet this week? Well, unlike you two overachievers, I don't have any podcasts. Can't say that, but. Probably yet, probably yet the key, <laughs> yet the keyword is yet, Marcus. And I've already had like the guys on the horror returns already asking me when's Marcus gonna have his own show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, thank you for that. So yeah, you know, soon, soon. Um, but now, uh, for right now, you can find me on Facebook and Letterbox. You know, Marcus Will Turner, and if you uh are on Twitter or Instagram, Ego Critic Demise is my handle. Stop on by and let me know. <laughs> awesome. And uh, Nez, where can people find you on the internet this week? Really quick. Uh, I'm looking at the trailer for uh, Jason Axon's uh, To Your Last Breath. Night of the Animated Dead was like this animation. Oh, man, I would have gave this that two thumbs up. I need to see this one. This looks really mm. good. But uh, Oh, yeah, well, like... <laughs> Yeah, I think the scene to your last death. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I still haven't watched it yet, but the fact that it also has uh, Monica, I keep Barakin, I keep it, you know, from Deadpool and like, and and, uh, and Firefly. I always keep forgetting up her last name, but her and also like Bill Mosley, Ray Wise, and William Shatner are in it. Um, <laughs> I definitely need to seek it out, and, but I do agree. Like, if the if Night of the Animated Dead was kind of in that style of animation, given the detail and everything, I think it probably, my rating for it, my personal rating for it would probably be a little bit more higher, but I know what you mean though. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find uh, our shows. If you go to um, Podbean, just search uh, Magnez podcast. Uh, you'll everything on that net, the, the skater Nez podcast network, you get East society, all the spinoff shows from that. Uh, under the the East Society label, be it uh, ESP Rewind um, and a bunch of other shows that we spun off into. But the Magnez podcast, that's uh, my main solo show. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Facebook. Just search Magnez podcast or East Society podcast. Uh, YouTube, we do have an East Society page. There ain't much on it, but it's a start. 
Uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at East Society Pod or at Magnez Pod. Follow us on Instagram at East Society Podcast and at Magnez Pod. Uh, follow us on TikTok, East Society Pod. And yeah, I think that's about it. I know. Oh, I, I got to give my brothers a shout out. Go to thehorrorreturns.com and you can hear the action returns. You can hear the horror returns. You can hear the wrestling returns as well as THR Presents Stream Fiends. Uh, I am a part of that family and that network. So, yeah, if you want to hear more of this old man voice, go over there and listen to everything Brian and I have, as well as uh, our feed. We have so much on there. Oh, you can also go to um, Spotify for podcasters and search uh, Magnez uh, Podcast or E-Society Podcast. We have another feed over there for E-Society, which there's a bunch of other different shows. It's all E-Society, but a billion different shows that you don't find on the regular network. So, yeah, we're all over the place. And, uh, yeah, but B, thanks so much. This was awesome. Sorry if you hear my grandson in the background trying to get my attention. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Well, we're (laughs) wrapping up now. So, But, uh, again, thank you both for coming on the show. It has been a pleasure, and I'm glad you both joined me for talking about this film. And uh, for me personally, if people want to find me on the internet, they can find me at my official Twitter page at twitter.com slash bejamine. And of course, you can find me at Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash bejamine. And of course, you can find all my work over at supermarcy.com and as long as all the other podcasts that I co-host with Supermarcy over there. And as well, you can follow the official Twitter account of this show at twitter.com slash bejvstld. And as well as listen to this podcast on all podcast streaming services everywhere, please leave a rating and review, and I will make sure to read the review on the show. And, uh, yeah, so that is it. That is a wrap on episode 15 of Beat vs. the Living Dead. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed our discussion on this film. And be back in two weeks' time for episode 16, in which I look at the short film Dead Neighbors, and as well as the second redubbing of the original Night of the Living Dead with Night of the British Dead. See everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bead vs. the Living Dead. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice. Keep up on all updates of the show on the official Twitter account at BeadVSTLD. The music for this show was brought to you by Denno. See you next time, everyone. Goodbye.